You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. All right, well, speaking of birthdays, five years old today. Give yourselves a happy birthday. Amazing what God's done here in five years in Chester. The next five years, get your seatbelt on. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, always the, the, the kind of the start is foundations. You don't necessarily see a lot, but a lot's happening And then God starts to build above ground. And what God's doing in the next five is the above ground. And so God's built some incredible foundations. And it looks like you guys, you are the foundations. And so the pillars will be built on your faith, your sacrifice, your time, your energy. And again, Emily said, we want to honour every person that sowed so much into building God's house, partnering with God. This is His plan for the earth, the local church, and you've committed yourself to participating with God's nature. That's what the Bible talks about, us building the church. We're participating with God's heart and with His nature. And so I want to honour you for doing that. We're going to see great things. Well, there's a long way to say happy birthday. And, uh, you know, it was Jasmine's birthday in, in November. She was 12 years old. And for her birthday, we have this well-known pizza uh, the kids love it. And so we went to this pizza establishment, obviously takeaway. And we went and we said, right, we want pizza because me and Em love barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken pizza, give me an amen for that. So good. And on the other side was like the kids, you know, pineapple and ham or whatever's going on. And we, we, we have the pizzas in half because we want to mix it up a bit. And so we're like, right, we want the half and half pizza. And the guy literally said this to me in November. He said, you can't have half and half pizza. I said, we always have half and half pizza. I want this half chicken, this half ham and pineapple. We're not doing half and half pizza. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's my daughter's birthday. We, want, we always come here and we always have half and half pizza. He said, we're not doing half and half pizza. I'm like, why are you not doing half and half pizza? And he looks at me like, I'm stupid. And he goes, COVID? I'm, st- I'm like, come again. You're not doing half and half pizza because of COVID. Is that because the pizza, they've got to socially distance? I mean, what's going on? Half and half pizza, surely there's no COVID implications, Right. I just like, I couldn't believe it. To me, things like that just drive me crazy when it's like rules for rules sake and not about the actual thing. Like, have you ever, remember when you used to go to airports? I know it's a long time ago. But you'd go around the barriers and they would take you like on a five kilometer walk when you could have just gone straight to the check-in right there. There's nobody in the queue. But it's like all the rules and all the systems, they're right in the appropriate place But often we can let the systems become the dictators to us. We we, we let the rules dominate the way we think. And we've got to make sure that we are not people that that the rules become things that we live to, but the rules are for our benefit. Today we're talking about the laws of God. If you're 
here for the first time in February, then you're meeting us on the third week of a series on the book of Galatians. We are walking slowly, eight weeks through six chapters of the book of Galatians. We're taking our time. And we want you to read with us the book of Galatians. And we also want you to hear this message in the context of the whole series. As you, I know you would read the Bible in context of the whole Bible. And we want you to hear each message in the context of this series. Today's message is called Rules and Regulations. We're looking at Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to 14. If you have your Bible, you can turn there or swipe there. Or if it's on the tablet of your heart, you can recite it from there also. But in Galatians, we see here Paul is helping us to understand the law. He's helping us to understand the appropriate use of the law. In the Old Testament, in the first five books of the Bible, uh, the, the, the people of the time, the Pharisees, would have understood there were 613 laws that they were to keep. Yes, there was the Ten Commandments, but around that, through Leviticus and through many of the books, you'll see 613 laws about the way you should live your life, you should conduct things. One of the most important things that you'd see repeated time and time and time and time again is keeping the Sabbath. And in the New Testament, Jesus comes along and we see Jesus healing people on the Sabbath and the religious people are like, what's going on? You can't do that. Don't you know? The Sabbath, you're not to do anything. Even if you go to Jerusalem, go to Israel today, we were there a while back and we're in a hotel and it was the Saturday, it was the Sabbath and the lifts weren't working. There was no toast. There was no lights on. Literally, people were doing nothing because of their honor and esteem for the law of the Sabbath. And yet Jesus comes along and he starts healing people on the Sabbath. This is blowing the minds of the religious people. They're like, we don't know what to do with this. I mean, we've got the rules and regulations, don't you know, Jesus? And he's doing this. And in Mark chapter 2, he says, do you not know that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath? We weren't created for the rules and regulations. They were created for us to give us guidelines and parameters. And so Jesus says, is it better for me to obey the Sabbath or to heal someone? And this was blowing the minds of the religious people. And I know the Pharisees, they, they get a hard rap. You would probably give them a, a bit of a bad time. And, you know, we'd say, oh, the Pharisees, such good people, bad people. But at the time, they were just doing everything within their power to present themselves right before God. So somewhere in there, there's an incredible heart motivation. They want to be presented right to God. And yet they had made the rules and regulations how they would get there. If we live up to these 613 rules and regulations, then God will accept us. The reality is we may not look at the Bible's 613 rules and regulations, but we do think about the way we live. 
the words we say and the words we don't say, the places we go and the places we don't go, the habits we have and the habits we don't have. And we feel like our relationship with God is based on many of the things that we do. This is what Galatians, Paul is speaking to the Galatians about. He's speaking into rules and regulations. He's speaking into the religious part of who we are that says, I've got to do something to be right before God. Verse number one, Paul starts like this, really encouraging the church. He comes back to the Galatian church and he starts like this. You foolish Galatians. Everyone's like, whoa, hang on a minute. It's basically saying, you bunch of muppets. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, you physically saw Jesus Christ clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, you started in faith, but now you've turned it into your good works. Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really is in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Come on, audacious. I want you to think about the words of Paul. So also Abraham believed God. Speaking to a Jewish audience is saying, you know, Abraham, the father of your faith, so esteemed, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, right standing before God. Verse seven, understand then those who have faith are children of Abraham. This is blowing their minds. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And he announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations, everybody will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law, on their good works, they're under a curse. As it is written, cursed is anyone who does not continue to do everything in the book of law. In other words, if you're going to qualify your relationship with God based on your good works, you better be perfect. You better make sure you're doing every law, every commandment, all 613 lifestyle. You better do all of them if you're going to measure your relationship with God based on what you do. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Verse 12, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Even today, here in Chester, North Wales, the Wirral, Cheshire, today we can receive the same blessing of Abraham so that by faith we might receive the promise by the Spirit. This is like a stake of the Scripture. I want you to go home and read this Scripture this week. Take your time just as you chew and then enjoy oh, the, 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 the juices of the Philip steak and you'd Ah, you just savour. Savour these words. Eat them slowly. Try and digest something before you move on. 
get into it because the Bible is helping us to understand. Paul speaking to the Galatian church, don't be tempted. You started in faith by nothing you could do. Don't go back to measuring your faith life based on what you do, by the things you say, by the things you don't say, the places you go, the places you don't go, the people you associate, the people you don't associate with. You didn't start this journey by your own good works. So don't go back there. This is a faith journey. This is a faith journey. So I guess the question is, If this is all about faith, why was the law given to us in the first place? Should we just rip out the Old Testament, throw it away because now we don't need it? Or are we supposed to continue to do something with it? Thank God Paul answers the question for us. We don't have to make it up. We can read the Bible. Verse 19 says, why then was the law given at all? Good question. Everybody's asking that question today. Verse 24 and 25 So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So the law, the Old Testament, and us understanding the journey, understanding the law, we understand the law was a guardian holding us. We understood by the law we can't measure up. We're not good enough. We're waiting for something to fulfill the law. And when Jesus came, the Bible says, and He didn't eradicate the law, He fulfilled the law. He said, I am it. I'm the fulfillment of the law. So if you receive me, you access full and undeniable access to God. And so we access faith. We access our relationship with Jesus through faith. So what is faith, I hear you ask? Faith, I want you to understand, is three things. And the first part of faith is simply knowledge. Faith is about knowledge. Faith is, you've got to know something to have faith in something. Faith is not just some vague hope. The problem is now in the world, we use faith about anything, including football. You might have faith in your football team. I am not looking at Colin right now. I have a lot of faith that we are not going to continue to hold on to Manchester United's lead. Because, unless we're winning 9-0, like last week, just so throw that in there. But we use faith about some vague thing that we just, I just have faith. And it's like, I've got to drum it up. If I just believe enough, then maybe something good will happen. That is not what faith is. Faith starts with a knowledge. So you've got to know the object of your faith. How do we have more faith in God and about what God wants for us? By knowing Him. How do we know Him? We read His Word. We know the Word, Jesus of fulfillment. And we get to know God by reading about Him. The more I know the more I can have faith. The more I read the Word, the more I can know about God's character, His nature, and the better chance I have of having a grounded, solid faith that keeps me going through every season. Faith starts with knowledge. If you were staying in a hotel and the hotel was on fire and you phoned reception, say, you know, the the hotel's on fire, how am I going to get out of here? How How am I going to escape? 
And they would tell you, go out your door, go down the corridor, take a left, go down that corridor. On your right, you'll see a staircase. There'll be a green light lit up sign. Go down the staircases, two flights of stairs. At the bottom of the stairs, there's a door. Go out of there and we'll be there in the car park. Meet us there. Your knowledge alone is not enough to save you. But also you are never going to be saved without the knowledge. You need the knowledge to take the next step. And so you've got to know, and the next step of faith is you've got to be convinced or you've got to believe. We know about God and then we believe about God. We are convinced. We've got to understand who God is to have any chance of believing in Him. That's why Romans says, how can they believe unless somebody speaks the message to them? There's people in our worlds that God has commissioned us to be the signpost of God. In fact, He calls us almost His billboard. The Scripture, uh, it talks about us being His appeal to our friends. They're not going to know unless we are sent. So we've got to know. But then we've got to believe. But the Bible again says even belief is not enough. James chapter 2, you believe there is one God Good. Even the demons believe. That's not that encouraging, is it? You're like, come on, I know God. I believe in Him. And then James comes along and says, well, to be fair, you're doing about as good as demons so far. So, you know, it's not too encouraging. Even they believe and yet are not saved. Demons are convinced that Jesus is Lord, but they're still rebellious. James saying conviction alone gives you the same credentials as the demons. <laughs> wow, this is an encouraging message this morning. But you know, we first have a knowledge about God. All right, we're at stage one. And then we're convinced, right, now we're at demon stage. That's, we're, they're, they're convinced that Jesus is Lord. This is me pre, uh, as first year student days. I believed I knew about God. I definitely knew about God. I'd been raised. I knew about God. I was even convinced that living His way was the right way. I was convinced. I knew at some point I'll come back to God and I'll start living for Him because, you know, it's the right way to do life. But I just did nothing about it. I thought I'm going to enjoy myself, I thought. And so I spent a year looking in this direction, knowing Him. Hello? Hello? And believing, being convinced about who he was. And yet you need the third phase of faith. There's knowing, there's believing. And the third thing is turning and trusting. You actually have to lean in to God. This is the you part. Because the, our faith, the Bible speaking of Abraham's faith, is saving faith. Theologians talk about saving faith. It start, starts with knowledge then it goes to being convinced that's God's work, the Holy Spirit's work. He illuminates himself to you. The pilot light in the boiler goes on. At least we're ready for action now. The pilot light is on. Before you were spiritually dead, then God spoke to you. The pilot light went on. And then that's 100% God. And then we start. 100% man. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And our walk with God, so too, is 100% God's work and 100% our work. 
We have to partner with God. We have to trust Him. We have to lean into Him. John 3, 16, uh, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, 100% God, that whoever believes in Him, 100% us, You've got a decision. You've got an option. You can either rebel or choose him. It's up to you. This is our choice moment. Notice it's not just whoever believes him. It's not just whoever's convinced in him. Whoever believes in him. To believe in him means you've got to lean into him. You've got to rely on him. You've got to trust him. So you can know and you can be convinced without trusting him. But true saving faith is about lying, leaning, leaning into Him. It's where you say, I think like this, but the Bible says this. I might not understand everything about it, but I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to trust you. The Bible says I I should, you know, the best way for me to live is to live like this. Okay? Culture's saying this. But I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to trust your way is the right way, whether I know it or believe it yet. You're going to teach me, but I'm going to trust you. Trusting is all about submission to Him. It's saying, not my will, but your will be done. So we've got a decision to make. If we're going to live the life of faith, we've got to know Him. We've got to be convinced about Him. God speaking to us, revelation. But then we've got to turn and we've got to lean into Him. I want to encourage you, what areas of your life do you know is the right thing? Maybe you're even convinced, you know God's spoken to you, but you've not yet fleshed it out. You've not yet applied it. That's where you've got to go to the trust. You've got to lean right into God and say, this feels scary, that moment where you lean back into someone else and you don't step this time. You fully rely on God and you lean into Him. That's where you, you, you go, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm leaning in with every aspect of my life. I'm going to fall onto you. And I feel like I'm falling, but I know you are there. You're going to catch me. And I'm going to step into a new realm of relationship with you. In fact, you step into the blessing. Abraham's blessing, Galatians 3 verse 9. So those who rely on faith, Hear that? Don't just know and convince, rely. That's trust. Those who trust in God, they are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is incredible. This is not like that the blessing of Abraham was reserved for a nation or a time. No, those who rely on Jesus Christ, those who trust in Jesus, even in 2021, Abraham's promise, Abraham's blessing is for us here in Chester. Which you're wondering, what is Abraham's promise? So glad you asked. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. Seven things that you can receive today. I will make you a great nation. That's the church. When God's people come together, God is saying, I'm going to make you a great nation. Our best days for audacious church in Chester are coming up. They're ahead of us. He's going to make us into a great nation. Number two, I will bless you. To be blessed means to be envied. To be everybody else looks at you and goes, why does everything go all right for you? Even when it goes bad, you seem to think it's still going good. 
because you know all things work together for the good of those who love Him. So you can always be hopeful. You can always emanate love. You can always have faith, not because circumstances are perfect, but because you are a blessed person. I will bless you. The promise to Abraham, the promise to us. Third thing, I will make your name great. That's influence. If you trust God, you watch how God will raise you and lift you into environments of impact and influence, that you will make a difference with your life. He's got a purpose for you. Number four, you will be a blessing. God's blessing is not just about you. It's not just so that you can feel good and have good stuff and, you know, feel like, hey, my life's going well and doesn't really matter about everybody else. No, He blesses you so that you can bless other people. Fifth thing is I will bless those who bless you. And the sixth thing, I will curse those who curse you. God has instigated this rhythm of sowing and reaping. And so whenever someone sows into your life, you can understand that God will cause a sowing and a reaping, which, when, which means when someone gives you a gift, don't, don't be more humble than Jesus. Go, no, 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 it's your, no, don't, don't give. You should just say, thank you, because you have a revelation and understanding that if someone gives, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so you understand in their act of giving, it's actually better off for them than it is for you as the receiver. And the seventh blessing of Abraham is, in you all the families of this earth shall be blessed. Come on, you are here to be a blessing wherever you step your foot. Every family can be blessed by your family. If you've got children, that's why your children are a blessing wherever they go in Jesus' name. Come on, together. Wherever they go, your children can be a blessing. They make a difference. They contribute wherever they go. And your family is here on this planet to be a blessing to families around your life. Every head bow, let's pray together. God, I just thank you for the power and significance of your word. God, we thank you. Your word is what establishes confidence in our life. Incredible foundations are not are not founded on on uh, thinking n- just thinking better or, or or hoping better, but out of your word, all of these things come. So we pray our commitment would be to knowing you through knowing your word. That through knowing your word, we would begin to have moments of revelation drop in our spirit. We'd be convinced by your word. But God, we don't want to stop there as the demons have stopped there. They know you and are convinced by you. But we pray, we would lean in, we would trust you with our whole life. We wouldn't hold anything back. We would give you everything, give you all. Because our faith, saving faith, relies on a full commitment, on a full trust that you are Lord, you are number one, You know what you said is right and it works. We rely on Your Word in Jesus' Name. Bless every person today. We thank You, Abraham's blessing. We may receive it because we have been grafted in to the people of God. We thank You in Jesus' Name. Everybody said, Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 